This should be a busy offseason for the Cincinnati Reds. I'll explain just how busy on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me here on today's Locked On Reds podcast that is brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and we're free and available on all podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for joining me. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan and an addict of this team, and I've turned that addiction into information for you. On today's Locked On Reds podcast, we are going to look at this upcoming well, we are in the offseason, but as, as free agency opens up in a few days and as all of the different deadlines hit of non-tender deadlines and 40-man roster cuts and all this other stuff, we're going to get you set for all of that here on today's primer. Today, we're kind of getting you prepped for what the offseason is going to look like. We're going to look at what the Reds need to go get, who the Reds may be losing, and at the end, we're going to finish up a series that we started like two weeks ago and uh, look at what really derailed the Reds playoff hopes last season. Before we get to all of that, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. And where we're going to get started is this uh, active offseason that should be for Nick Crawl, for the front office, and for the Reds as a whole. Uh, It's time to feed the machine. There's no more of, well, we're waiting on so-and-so to come up. Um, we got to get the kids up here, figure out if they're any good at baseball. We know the kids are all right when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds. They called up a ton of rookies that absolutely made huge waves of difference last year and announced themselves as part of the core for the future. So you must now support that core. If you're Nick crawl, there are key needs for this team. And obviously we start off with the pitching staff and you look at that and what the reds need to go get. Look, the reds must plan for Murphy's law. Remember Murphy's law, anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. These last two seasons, obviously two years ago it was Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft's rookie season. So we're like, all right, let's see what will happen with these guys. So they didn't really go get pitching. And then this past season they're like, all right, they're going to be healthy. They're going to take a step forward. And we got some other guys we'll bring in too. We don't really need to get pitching. Well, they weren't really healthy last year. And did they take a step forward? Maybe a little bit of a step forward. But at the end of the day, It's been two years of saying, yes, everyone that we have in-house is fine. We don't need to go make moves, or we're not in a position to go make moves, so we're not going to. And we see how that worked out. Last year, the Reds' pitching staff was very mediocre at best. Yes, there were some great performers in Andrew Abbott, and you had some nice outings from Brandon Williamson, and you had a bullpen that pitched phenomenally well, way better than anyone thought they would. But you cannot expect that to go right next year. Just because it happened once doesn't mean it will happen again. And it would be a very foolish plan on the part of Nick Kroll to say, yes, everyone will be healthy. 
and everyone will take a step forward. There will be guys who get hurt. That's the nature of humankind. Forget about baseball. Just It just happens. Things happen. There will be pitchers who don't take a step forward and maybe take a step back. So he needs to go get a starter. Whether that be through free agency or trade, I think it's most likely that if the Reds add a starting pitcher to the rotation, it'll be through a trade, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the Reds need to get a starter. I I don't think, and I know that Steve and I have debated this, and we'll probably debate this all offseason, but my my, uh, flag is firmly planted on the side of add a starting pitcher. I think that that just helps everything. You can move guys to the bullpen. You can move, you can have a six-man rotation. You can do a lot of different stuff, but you need to add a proven veteran starter. Free agency, I think, will be mostly for the bullpen and maybe a right-handed outfielder. They definitely need more bullpen help. I always say relief pitching is a fickle thing, and we saw it last year. The Reds entered 2023 with basically the same bullpen that they had in 2022, and their bullpen was bad in 2022. For some reason, those same guys pitched amazing in 2023. So kudos to them. Great stuff. Go get proven guys. Right? Lucas Sims, Lexus Diaz, those guys are solid. Ian Jabot, sprayed up there with them. Pretty solid pitchers. Sam Maul, Darth Maul, solid pitchers. Go get some other guys as well to add on to them. And I, I obviously I'm not talking about these guys in particular, but I think you know, a couple of years back, whenever the Reds went and they got um, David Hernandez and uh, Jared uh, Jared Hughes. Um, Jared Hughes. No, sorry. Anyway, getting derailed on my own point. But when they went and they got two proven veteran guys in the free agent market to bolster their bullpen, they absolutely need to do that this year, two, maybe three. And they could totally do it. Their, their budget, which they met on and discussed, and I'm not necessarily sure that, I mean, number one, we would never know the exact number of it, but you think about a couple of years ago, their payroll was around 120 million. And this past year, it was like 60. It's almost half that. And much of the big numbers are coming off the books. So then you're looking at an even smaller payroll. They've got money to work with. So to say that they need to go sign two or three relief pitchers is a drop in the bucket to what the Reds should have to work with. Then they also need to go get a right-handed outfield bat. They just claimed Bubba Thompson off waivers the other day from the Royals. He's a fast guy. He's not a very good hitter. He'll probably be an interesting pinch running uh, slash defensive replacement later on in the games type guy, but not somebody that I'm going to give three to four at bats every single day to. I don't think he's going to push uh, TJ Friedel or Will Benson or Jake Fraley for playing time. He's definitely a bench guy if he makes the major league team out of camp. But the Reds need to lock up on top of this. So, all right, they're they're adding pitching. They're adding at least one right-handed bat to the outfield or right-handed bat total. Uh, But they also need to lock up another core member of the future. They've got Hunter Green locked up. Now they need to figure out who else. My money's on Matt McClain. If I could pick somebody, but his agent, Scott Boris, chances are Scott Boris is going to advise his, you know, his player who it is Scott Boris's job to get his player the most money. 
he's going to advise him and say, hey, look, you might be worth more money the better that you keep playing. So maybe they don't sign him just yet, but I would love to see them sign Matt McClain long-term. Would love to see them sign Ellie De La Cruz long-term. Just looking at these guys now, in the stage of their development now, when they're not too expensive for the Reds to sign to a six, seven, eight-year deal, and you're talking about a guy that's going to be here for a long time because he's young. All these different guys. There's definitely a couple of uh, good options there. But that's what I'm looking at. Nick Crawl, and this is not a wish list, right? Last couple of years when we go into the offseason, we always say, what's our wish list? What do we hope the Reds should do this offseason? No, this is a grocery list. You're going to the store. You're bringing this back. Pitching, right-handed bat, go sign another, uh, go lock up another core member for the future. That's what we're talking about this offseason. So it should be an active offseason for Nick Crawl. But with the additions come subtractions. And with uh, people getting locked up, means that other people go. Who may be on their way out? I'll give you my picks on who that'll be coming up next. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. And that is FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. As we're heading into the midway point of the NFL season, it's crazy that it's already the midway point. Uh, you've got the Bengals and the Bills coming up this Sunday night. Huge game. And they've got like virtually no difference on the point spread between the two teams. you got to get in on this and get in on it at FanDuel. Because if you take the Bengals on the money line and they win, then you're going to get $150 in bonus bets added on to that. So you win again. You win one $5 bet, you get a lot more. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The app is uh, one of my favorites, uh, especially if you're looking at the slate of games that are coming up on a given night, whether it be uh, Major League Baseball during the season. Obviously, it's offseason now. It would be the NBA, NHL. If you see a matchup that you like, FanDuel's got it right there. All you got to do is click a button, Click uh, to submit your wager. Uh, I, I really love using FanDuel, and it really enhances my sports watching experience. One of the favorite things to do with it is to do the single-game parlays. You pick how many uh, yards the player's going to get, how many touchdowns he's going to score. Uh, you, you look at baseball, you can pick on some futures and different things like that. Check it out today, FanDuel.com slash locked on, and get the NFL season and can, keep rolling with the NFL season with lots and lots of fun because FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, with uh, the busy offseason that should be, and hopefully some new names that we'll see, some new faces on the roster, that means we're also going to see some names that we know, some players that we like, some players that may or may not be deemed fan favorites will probably be leaving the team this off season. And it's going to be really quick because coming up on Monday is the deadline for options, which of course we're talking about Joey Votto. Now Kirk Casale and a couple of other players have options, but I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion there. I also think it's a little bit of a foregone conclusion with Joey Votto at this point, 
the Reds aren't picking up that option. So he's going to become a free agent. At that point, he can negotiate with anybody. It's going to be tough. And, and it depends on really what the rest of the league offers him. But it's going to be tough for me to see him coming back to the Reds. Because the Reds aren't going to offer him everyday playing time. And I think Joey still thinks that he's an everyday player. Now, what team could offer him that? I don't know. I, I don't know who fits that profile. I don't know what team is looking for a guy like Joey. I mean, as as, as much as I love Joseph Daniel Votto, he has hit the point in his career where father time always wins. Look at Miguel Cabrera. Look at any aging slugger. You get to this point in your career, your value is in your slugging percentage. It's not in your batting average. It's not in your on-base percentage. You just, you just become a slugger. But even he had mentioned that he felt like he had to change his swing a little bit last year because he felt like the shoulder was still bothering him. That's the other thing. Like, how healthy is he? Because obviously he was healthy enough to play. But at his point in his career, dealing with that kind of a, you know, the rotator cuff and the torn bicep and all that other stuff, dealing with coming back from that injury, how much are you getting from Joey Votto? So they're going to decline the option because it's a club option for $20 million. They're going to decline it, which, and, and it made no mistake about it, it's not about the money. In fact, everydayers will know I had an episode, it's probably about a month ago, where I talked about this. It's not about the money for the option. It's about how he fits on this roster. And if we're objective about it, and if we understand the assignment, this team is a young and fun team. The everyday first baseman for your Cincinnati Reds should be Christian Encarnacion Strand. And DH really should continue to be a spot in the lineup where David Bell utilizes it as a give this guy an off day from the field. Or maybe that's something that Jonathan India plays a lot if he stays on this team. Joey Votto, as much as I love him as a fan, I think it's time. Joey Votto is no longer a Cincinnati right. And I hate saying that, but I think that's who we're looking at here. Then you look ahead a little bit here in a couple of weeks. November 14th is the last day that teams have to add players to the 40-man roster and um, and protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Now, the Reds only have a couple of guys here that I think they need to do this for. Uh, there's, there's some guys who are eligible for the Rule 5 draft, uh, that the Reds need to protect. Number one is Reese Hines. Definitely got to protect him from the Rule 5. A couple other guys, and and I don't necessarily know how desirable they'd be in the Rule 5 draft, but the whole point of the Rule 5 draft is for teams to select minor league players from other organizations who they believe can be major leaguers now. So if somebody looks at a Reese Hines or somebody looks at a Jacob Herdebees, or somebody looks at a JVN Sandridge, who we have mentioned before, but only briefly, um, and thinks they could be major leaguers, well, then they're gone. So I think the Reds need to protect Reese Hines, they need to protect Jacob Herdebees, and they need to protect JVN Sandridge. He's a guy, we mentioned him in the Arizona Fall League, he's looking very nice. But if you also pay attention to our friend Doug Gray over at RedsMinorLeagues.com, 
he has a lot to say about JV and Sandridge because he has uh, really bumped up his strikeout numbers this past year. He's really honed in his control. He's not walking as many people. He could be a bullpen option for the Reds coming out of spring training. So he's definitely a guy you want to protect, which means there's guys who are going to be DFA'd. There's guys who are going to be removed from the 40-man roster. And I'm, I'm looking at guys like Carson Spires, maybe Cason Legumina, TJ Hopkins, or maybe Nick Senzel. There, there's definitely going to be some moves that you could do where you don't have to just cut Nick Senzel. I think they could trade him for a, ch- a change of scenery guy. Now you would get back a change of scenery guy, but still, you know, do the whole uh, Robert Stevenson for Jeff Hoffman type trade. I could see that being a thing. You know, Nixon Zell for somebody else's change of scenery guy. The other question that I have too about the 40 man roster spot is does TJ Antone retire? Look, I don't know the inner workings of TJ Antone's mind, but you're talking about a dude that's coming off his second Tommy John surgery. He had a setback in spring training that really cost him a lot of time this year. And then when he finally came back and he finally started having a couple of productive outings, he had to be shut down because of elbow soreness. You know, the the wonderful, nondescript kiss of death for a pitcher. Elbow soreness. Does he retire? That would free up a 40-man roster spot if if we're being super... No, and uncompassionate about it. But then there's also the trade. I mentioned this earlier. The Reds probably get their starting pitcher through a trade, or maybe or maybe they, you know, shake things up because this team has a glut of talent on the infield. If you look at the Reds 40 man roster for the infield right now, the only guy that they might not have on the 40 man roster uh, come spring training is Nick Senzel. And even then, there's still some arguments to be made that he could stay. But everyone else is definitely staying. And then you also have the possibility of guys being ready for the major leagues coming up next year. And you have Jose Barrero, who's out of options. So you can't send him down to AAA next year without exposing him to waivers. And I think at the end of the day... The Reds may be looking at trading an infielder or two to shore up another spot on the roster. Nick Crawl said that there are no areas that won't be considered. No areas of the roster are, are set in stone, basically. They're looking at all avenues to improve this team. They know that in order to get where they want to get, they've got to make some moves. So, does that mean Jonathan India gets traded? Does that mean Noel V. Marte, Christian Encarnacion's trained? Is there a move that we don't see right now because we're looking at these guys and saying they're going to be Reds forever? They're just, there's, yes, these guys are awesome. We're never going to see them go anywhere else. And then, boom, there's a big trade. Because Nick Craw has made some good trades as the general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. And I think that he's got a good trade that is not, it's not going to be a trade for high prospects is going to be a trade for high major league talent. 
that he's got up his sleeve for this offseason. So with that, there's going to be some guys that we currently don't think of as on their way out that are probably going to be on their way out. But that's looking forward. Let's do one more time looking back. One more time. Looking back uh, to the, the biggest reason that the Reds missed the postseason. I'll give you my answer as to why that happened coming up next. Before we get into that, I wanted to remind you that you can follow us in between episodes. By the way, Steve will be back. He's just been traveling, so he wasn't able to join me here today, but he'll be back on the next Lockdown Reds episode, and you can follow me and Steve in between episodes on Twitter, X, whatever it is. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. Also, join the community on Discord. we got a lot of folks talking Reds baseball all throughout the year. Uh, they're on the Lockdown Reds Discord page. Got the link down in the description of today's episode. All right, so we, we looked ahead at what the offseason should be busy and why it should be busy and who we might be saying goodbye to and things like that. Let's finish up today's episode by finishing up a series that Steve and I started a few weeks ago. We were breaking the season down into thirds. We looked at the first couple of months of the season and how that's really where the Reds kind of messed up their season as a whole. And then we saw how the summer really set the future in motion with all of the amazing call-ups and how they all panned out. And we didn't do the episode where we look at why the Reds limped to the finish. So I wanted to kind of cover that here because when you look at the final two months of the season, really it was the month of August where everything went awry because on the 1st of August, the Reds were a half game ahead in first place of the division. Right? Like it, the, the Reds led the NL Central at one point this year. Then on September 1st, they were six and a half back of the division and a half game out of the wild card. Now, their bad August coincided with an amazing August for the Milwaukee Brewers and the Chicago Cubs. So that was one of the big reasons that they fell so far back so quickly. But also, the month of August was just a train wreck for the Reds as a team. It was their worst month, worst month of the season. Um, so what about that month really derailed the Reds? Because I think every one of us were like, man, the pitching, it's gotta be the pitching, right? Team had an ERA of 5.03 in the month of August. Not great. Hunter green. He had three starts where he pitched 12 innings and he allowed 13 runs in those 12 innings. Not great. And then you had that one Ben lively start in Chicago where he gave up a billion runs. Remember, me and Steve have talked about that a couple of times where it felt like David Bell did Ben Lively a disservice there just to save the bullpen, which really kind of messed everything up. But really, when you look at the pitching numbers, they actually produced similar numbers in August than they did in June. And June was really, really good. In fact, the ERA in August and the ERA in June was like the same. For the Reds. So, was it the hitting? Bingo. The hitting is what killed the Reds. And really what kept the Reds afloat all year long 
the ability to score runs, the ability to take extra bases, all this other stuff just went away. The month of August, the Reds had their lowest on-base percentage of the year. They had their lowest slugging percentage of the year, their lowest uh, batting average of the year. They had more strikeouts and less walks than any other month all year long. And because I compared the pitching in August to the pitching in June, comparing the hitting in August to the hitting in June, um, the Reds scored 115 runs in August. They scored 153 in June. Night and day. Their, their lineup went to sleep. And part of it was rookie you know, adjustment periods, rookie slumps. This was really when Ellie De La Cruz just kind of disappeared. We stopped seeing the really fun, the, 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 the takeover of games that he had, his, his ability to do whatever he could at the plate just kind of disappeared during this month. But more than that, nobody got on base. They got on base less than 30% of the time. Any other month in the year of 2023, the Reds got on base at least 32% of the time except for the month of August. That was a rough month for the Reds at the plate. That's really what made them miss the playoffs. They were that close. There's so many people that were, you know, perturbed that the Diamondbacks made the World Series because it was like, well, because the Reds should have been the Reds, not the Diamondbacks, because they were that close. If they just hit a little bit better, in the month of August because we say, well, the pitching was so bad. The pitching was bad all year. The pitching was bad in June when the Reds were like one of the best teams in baseball. That's not an exaggeration. Like you go back and you look at the month of June. I'm pretty sure the Reds had, I I think it was like the Reds and the Rangers had the two best records in all of baseball. So it's gotta be the hitting. Because to say that the pitching had to be better, well, you're, you're, you're saying that the thing that ailed them all year had to somehow be the thing that carried them. And that's not, that's not right. I mean, you can't, as much as we would love to say that, that's, that's really where I go back to what I said earlier in the episode, saying Nick Crawl needs to plan for Murphy's Law. Because this pitching staff was not good as a whole. The starting pitching was really the worst part because the bullpen kind of carried the Reds for much of the season. But even if you look at the breakdown of pitching for the month of August, the bullpen was still very good. It's, it's the hitting. The hitting is what kept the Reds out of the postseason as much as it was the reason that they were in it in the first place. The reason that the Reds were in this race to begin with the fact that they were so good at scoring runs. But when that's all you can do, when you're when you're basically a glass cannon and you you're not, you know, you're not really a tank that can take runs on, you're just a glass cannon, then you lose that ability. That that's that's where the Reds faltered. So it's it's a bummer to see that that's kind of how the season ended, but I think that going into next year You're going to see those guys as they continue to adjust. You're going to see how the Reds come into the season with a better roster, with more completeness throughout the pitching staff, not just a top-heavy bullpen that can 
bail out a bad starting pitching effort. But on the whole, this Reds team is ready to rise. And as much as the disappointment of missing the playoffs and the collapse that was August and September, the future of this team is so very bright. And I want to thank everybody for for putting up with me through this episode. You can't tell my voice is a little bit rough. I've been dealing with some stuff this week. Um, Hopefully next week I'll be back to 100% you won't have to deal with, you know, the general grievous of it all here. But uh, as we as we head into the weekend where next Monday free agency opens up for Major League Baseball, uh, we are going to have you covered every single day. And we're, we're going to be talking about, you know, what's the deal with Joey Votto? What's the deal with the Reds adding some players coming up next Monday on the podcast as Steve returns? Because we will be locked on Reds every single day.